Kia ora and welcome to a special bonus episode of Newsball. I'm Emil. And I'm Imogen and this is What's Worth Talking About. Well, there have been some developments in the war in Ukraine raising some serious questions around whether the end justifies the means. The US has confirmed it will be sending cluster bombs for Ukraine to use in the war. Now, cluster bombs are very controversial. They've been banned by more than 100 countries around the world and are widely seen as an incredibly destructive and indiscriminate weapon. Our Prime Minister, Chris Hipkins, who's in Europe at the moment, has said New Zealand is opposed to their use and will tell the US and the Ukraine as much if he gets the chance. Thomas Nash is a Wellington regional councillor, but for many years he worked as a disarmament activist. He played a leading role in a Nobel Peace Prize winning campaign to abolish nuclear weapons in 2017. And he's with us now. Kia ora. Kia ora. Can you explain first up, what are cluster bombs and how do they work? Yeah, so this is a throwback to my previous life, but uh, let's <laughs> dive right in. Uh, cluster munitions are, so it's basically a type of ammunition. It could be a, a sh- an artillery shell or a rocket or a airdropped bomb. And it opens up in midair and spreads out a whole bunch of little bombs in, that are inside the canister, if you like. And they're called submunitions or bomblets. And they spread over quite a wide area, depending on the type of weapon. So they could cover like a, a couple of football fields um, in, with one bomb. There's a couple of problems with them. One is that they cover such wide areas that uh, I think, as you said, Imogen, they are indiscriminate, essentially, especially when used in or around civilian areas, urban areas. And the second problem is that lots of them don't go off when they hit the ground. So they just lie there and... They go off later when people maybe pick them up, especially they're quite small. So they're maybe the size of a like a can of Coke or smaller. Quite a few of them have little ribbons on them. So and some of them are brightly colored. So, you know, you can kids pick them up, play with them and you know, then they explode and people die or are terribly injured. And, and the other thing is that it, it can often, if people know that they're there, it renders that land unusable until it's been cleared, and it's quite an expensive, you know, it's quite a quite a mission to clear it up afterwards. You've given us a, a sort of a broad but detailed example of of uh, what they're like and and what happens. Can you give us some examples though of, of of situations where they have been used? Yeah, so I mean, I visited Lebanon, the south of Lebanon, in two thousand and six. This was uh, just in the run up to the to the negotiation of the treaty banning cluster bombs. But yeah, so Lebanon, south of Lebanon, was carpeted in uh, cluster munitions uh, by the Israeli military uh, in 2006. And so yeah, we we visited schools and uh, you know people's homes and just like the main streets of towns. And there were these little bomblets everywhere. It's extremely scary, really, when I think about it now. Mm. Uh, and we talked to. We talked to farmers, we talked to teachers, we talked to people uh, in their homes who you know, had, had seen these weapons essentially carpeting their area. Uh, some people had escaped, some people had stayed, some people had come back and they could see all these you know, cluster munitions that were just lying around. Uh, fortunately, I think uh, you know, a lot of people in, in Lebanon knew what they were, so they weren't picking them up so much and... and but there was a massive cleanup job that had to be done there. So, I mean, you know, that's one example. Uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, also examples of where cluster munitions have been used more recently, of course, in, in Syria. 
they are obviously being used in Ukraine by by Russia in particular, but also by um, by Ukrainian forces. And then I guess the other thing to say is there there was quite a bit of use of cluster munitions in the seventies during the Vietnam War to disrupt the Ho Chi Minh Trail, which was the supply lines for the Vietnamese forces. So that was the US US Air Force that basically carpet bombed Laos uh, and and into Vietnam and Cambodia as well. So yeah, a lot of quite extensive use. Kosovo was another example in in the in the late nineties. So yeah, those are those are probably some of the most prominent uses mm. of cluster munitions. As you mentioned before, you know, plenty of countries have banned cluster munitions. I think there's an international treaty, much the same as as with landmines. So why are they being used in this conflict? The reason people tend to use cluster munitions is that they they want to cover a wide area uh, with uh, explosive force. So cluster munitions, will they will do that for you. So I, I imagine that's why people are, are using them. There are other types of weapons that can be used to, to do that uh, with, with a lot more uh, precision. But yeah, if you want to carpet an area with explosive force, then yeah, cluster munitions have, have been a, a go-to. The, one of the problems, though, is that because so many of them don't go off, there it's questionable how how useful they are. And I think a lot of countries have, you know, they they banned them because they're extremely problematic weapons. Uh, but also, I think a lot of countries now would would probably say, well, actually, these aren't the best weapons anyway. Russia has been using them throughout this war, and actually, Ukraine has already as well. So why is this instance of the US supplying them to Ukraine a big deal? Well, I think it's a big deal because there is not a lot of transfer between countries of cluster munitions anymore. I mean, essentially, it is considered a banned weapon amongst other types of weapons, like antipersonal landmines, which you mentioned, uh, like chemical weapons, um, like biological weapons. Of course, not every country has signed every treaty banning a weapon. Uh, and in this case, obviously, the, the two countries you mentioned, Ukraine and Russia, haven't signed the treaty uh, banning cluster munitions. So they would argue, well, they're not banned for us. Fair enough. Mm. Uh, but generally speaking, it's widely considered an unacceptable weapon. Most countries in the world have decided this is unacceptable. We're never going to use it under any circumstances. Uh, like countries like the UK, which used them quite a lot in the past, they signed the treaty banning them and they, they destroyed their stockpile. They basically destroyed all of their stockpile so they can never be used again. I think it's controversial. I think the reason it's, it's news for uh, you know the US transferring cluster munitions to uh, Ukraine is that many countries, including the UK, for example, which is a big supporter of, of Ukraine, and I think the second biggest provider of military aid to Ukraine after the US, that they, they've banned these weapons. Mm. And they've also said that they can't help anybody with the use of these weapons. So it's, a, it's pretty awkward. Like, for example, if the UK is uh, assisting with troop movements or with supplies, so, you know, if there's a British support with moving weapons and logistics uh, around, well, they, they can't be involved with that if there's cluster munitions, you know, in the cargo. Uh, and they're going to have to check. And same with New Zealand, for that matter. So in, anybody who's doing anything to assist Ukraine especially with movement of, uh, of of equipment and ammunition, is now going to have to check, well, okay, we're a country that's banned cluster munitions. 
well, we're just going to have to make sure that there's no cluster munitions in the cargo that we're moving around here. It's deeply problematic. And I think even the US has acknowledged, right, that I think Biden said, well, it was a difficult decision to send them. I mean, well, yeah, of course, you're right. It's a difficult decision. And you've made the wrong decision by sending them. I mean, these are basically weapons that are that are sitting in the US stockpile that are probably never going to be used by the US. So they're kind of shoveling their old bad ammo out the door. It's disgraceful, really. Thomas, just finally on this, you know, I, I think there are probably plenty of people listening to this who might think, well, you know, Ukraine's the wronged party here. Whatever they do to, to sort of end this is kind of morally justifiable. Russia's using them. Ukraine bulldoze ahead. You know, what, whatever ends this war, you're the wronged party. I mean, what would you say to people of, of that mindset? I guess I would ask them, are there any limits, in your view, to what can be done in war? Like, is poison gas okay? If, mm. if people were, if they were using poison gas, would we say, oh, well, they've just got to do whatever they can to end the war? Like, is that okay? Is killing children okay? I don't think so, right? And so there are limits. So I guess the question is, what are the limits? I mean, well, one question is, are there any limits or should there be any limits to conduct in war? And in my view, yes. In, in the world's view, basically, of, uh, yes, the answer is yes, there are the laws of war, international humanitarian law, which... Uh, means you, you you can't kill civilians. You know you have to treat prisoners of war in a certain way. There are a range of things that you can and cannot do. So I guess you have to accept that principle, right? That there are limits to the means and methods of warfare. And then the next question is, well, what are where do we put those limits? And you could argue, well, I think cluster munitions are well personally, and as 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 most countries have decided, we think cluster munitions are morally repugnant and their use is unacceptable under any circumstances. But of course, some countries don't agree. Notably, the Ukraine and Russia. They haven't signed this treaty. They don't agree. So for them, whilst I think the Ukraine and Russia would would agree that there must be limits to the means and methods of warfare, but in their view, those limits don't extend to prohibiting cluster bombs. Um, I think it's uh, it's sad and misguided when people say, well, they should just do whatever they can to end the war. I think people who have experienced war and who have seen firsthand the impacts of conflict on civilians, even long after the conflict has ended, would argue that, yes, there must be limits to war. And you cannot just do whatever you want and leave a deadly legacy. That is unacceptable. It's inhuman. And and we don't accept that. Powerful words. Thomas Nash, thank you so much for your time and insight and for joining us from home with quite an excited little person in the background, I think, at times there. Um, but no, say kia ora to him for us as well. <laughs> I will do. I will um, pay attention to him. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of Newsable. I'm Imogen Wells. And I'm Emil Donovan. If you enjoyed this, you probably enjoy our daily offering as well. We drop new episodes every day at 6am. So give us a like and a subscribe to get us delivered right to your phone every day without lifting a finger. Thanks for listening. Catch you tomorrow.